All right, everybody. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Um, my name is Owen Higgins. This is the Flashpoint Podcast. Uh, we are live with Brandon Sutton, friend of the show. In fact, Brandon was the first guest that I ever had. Uh, we talked about flat earth conspiracy theories in the Renaissance Fair, uh, Massachusetts, a very, very niche uh, topic, but one that we were able to kind of expand into talking about some other stuff. So definitely excited to have uh, Brandon back on. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the GOP and the fitness industry, which is also something that we've covered on the show before, obviously, uh, with Antonio Valadares talking about J.P. Sears and the kind of uh, – talking about the fitness movement, I think, in those uh, episodes more in the context of kind of like, you know, the anti-vax movement, the kind of spiritual wellness tilting into the far-right movement. Uh, but this one we're just going to talk about Republicans and their ideas of masculinity and kind of the right wing and their ideas of masculinity. Um, and, uh, you know, there's really few people better to talk about this stuff than Brandon. Um, and I'll let him explain why. Brandon, can you tell us a little bit about both yourself, your political commentary, and also your love of lifting? Uh, well, you know, that's a quite a tall order. Uh, thanks for having me, Owen. You know, it's always a pleasure. In fact, I was actually just listening to some flat earth material the other day, and Owen Benjamin came up. So, you know, it's just refreshing to come full circle. Uh, excuse the pun, I guess. Can you uh, speak up a little bit? You're, you're just a little oh, low. Sure, I can speak up. Is this better? Yes, definitely. definitely. Sure, okay. So, you know, uh, you asked me to talk about my love of lifting. I guess, you know, I... I love lifting. I've been lifting uh, in my spare time as a hobby, as a lifestyle, you know, as my primary identity for perhaps, I think, what, going on 10, 10 years now. I started in college and just never stopped. Although, to be fair, I had to take like 18, maybe not really 18, but like 12 months off when the pandemic first hit because all gyms were closed. But, you know, other than that, uh, apocalyptic scenario interrupting my lifting schedule i've been lifting pretty consistently for a decade now so i feel pretty good i oh, i'm also a certified personal trainer i got my certification a few years ago so that's pretty uh that's pretty good pisces um uh on the meyer briggs chart i'm a i don't call it mediator so you know that's just the in my bones yeah you know just just always trying to get like all the relevant info here for sure um, rapid fire I would say I would say that you could uh, you could even speak louder than you have. Sure, I'll just start screaming if you want me to because I don't give it. You know, I I'm going to curse there, but I don't know if this is actually the radio or just you know giving me the impression that it is. No, 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 this isn't the radio. Feel free to uh, to say whatever you want. So, um, you know, had been wanting to have you back on the show for for a while, um, and I think that you know. One like the genesis of this idea uh, was this clip from um, Marjorie Taylor Greene going on the Firebrand podcast, which I guess is that Matt Gates's podcast. If it's not Matt Gates's podcast, he was definitely hosting it that day. Yeah, yeah, very kind of interesting uh, crossover there between um, you know the podcast world and uh, quote unquote serious politicians. But you know, whatever. I guess I guess that's what. I we're all doing now. 
Um, I will say, just to interrupt quickly, just because we talk about conspiracy theories, and we talked about conspiracy theories in my first appearance, you know, it's just a little rich for like a QAnon-styled uh, politician like Marjorie Taylor Greene to go on the podcast of like Matt Gates, who's like currently under investigation, you know, for his participation in what appears to be a human trafficking situation. So, you know, again, like the, yeah. the layers, the layers to their ideology. Definitely, I mean, definitely worth uh, pointing out, although, um, you know, you will get screamed at by certain people for uh, for the insinuation um, uh, that, you know, that he's done anything wrong without, you know, uh, a, a full uh, conviction. Um, it's a complete coincidence that people who are screaming about that are, uh, you know, thoroughly invested in Matt Gates's style of republicanism, but I guess we'll just kind of leave that one aside. But anyway, um, so Marjorie Taylor Greene, goes on to this podcast and uh, she makes some remarks. I'm just going to play them and then we can talk about them on the other side because I think that there are certainly some interesting aspects to how she's talking about this stuff. So I'm, I'm going to play this and, and, and to whom she is speaking as well. And Jimmy, Jimmy knows it happens. And, totally. you know, and, and so, Matt, I'm really grateful for you um, as, as in your character and, and as a man that would stand up and defend me as a woman. Because we need to recognize that women are the, the weaker sex and, and men are stronger than us. And we're seeing it in our women's sports. Uh, we're watching men dominate in women's sports like Leah Thomas and swimming. Um, but here's something uh, Jimmy Kimmel should understand, as I did report it to the Capitol Police, because I'm taking that call of violence and that threat against my, my uh, safety very seriously, um, and also for my family, because we can't, we can't, um, we, well, what we can expect, Matt, is for the left to react to what he's calling for, totally. and, and they, want, they want it to happen. So, a lot going on there. Um, I think that, I mean, there's obviously, you know, the the transphobia aspect, uh, there's the, um, uh, you know, the appeal to Gates's, uh, masculinity. Um, but you know, as, as you, you noted this on Twitter, and I think that this is like really like, you know, worth discussing is that, you know, you said there's no way she isn't stronger than 90% of male Republicans, even just from doing CrossFit. And if you look at the video and, you know, I realize that, you know, this is an audio show, but if you're looking at the video, I mean, it's Gates is just kind of, you know, sitting there in this, you know, very nice uh, gray sports jacket with, with a tie and, you know, his hair slicked back. And he's, he's just, you know, just, I mean, he, you know, he's sitting in a kind of a professional uh, setup. And then she is, like, you know, sitting in this leather chair with, like, wood paneling behind her, uh, you know, guns out. Guns um, out. I was going to say, I noticed that immediately. She had just guns out, funds out. She should have put him in a cobra crutch right there. But you know, yeah. that's just me. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think that they were in the same room. But I think that if they were in the same, I mean, like, the, like the level of intimidation that she would have over him is just like super intense. I mean, she's like, she is definitely one of the more, one of the probably one of the strongest members of Congress to like set aside like the GOP caucus, right? Yeah, which you know says a lot about our members of Congress as a whole. But at the end of the day, I think that it's interesting. Shout, shout, just oh, shout. Sorry, I can't really just... hear you. You can't really hear me. Is this better or is it worse? Just even louder. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. I want to say there's no way that like, especially Matt Gates, that she could not, you know, in an arm wrestling contest or any kind of wrestling contest, just 
literally take you know dismantle Matt Gates. But that kind of performance on her part is useful for stroking the ego of the, the male Republican, which is specifically focused on trying to you know prove their dominance and prove their masculinity in a way that is you know entirely dependent on their ability to dominate and oppress other you know types of people, whether they be women, people of color, etc. And, you know, one of their big issues is that in this new world that we live in, you know, that women's liberation, that uh, the integration of society has led to them being forced to compete on uneven grounds with groups that they used to be automatically assumed better than or, you know, at least more civilized than. Right, right. I mean, like, th like there is that kind of interplay here. But she is like, I, I, I think, I guess what's like kind of interesting about this is that she is like explicitly going out of her way to, uh, to make sure that these gender roles are in place. And that kind of speaks to like her specific brand of conservatism, which is this far right kind of Christo fascist thing. And, and Gates, I don't know, like, do you think that Gates is like really on board with that? Or do you think that he is just... Um, it doesn't really seem like the type of like conservative that he is. I mean, I think when it comes to like your younger male conservatives, like the Gateses, the uh, you know the Ben Shapiro's, the type that are trying to rebrand oh, the Charlie Kirk's, of course, the type that are trying to rebrand like conservatism as not just a thing for like the old fogies in the crowd. Like they have a bit of a confused. Um, position on like sexuality not just because they're weird conservatives but because they know this generally speaking you know the 90 percent of young people if you make it about you know not so much about like lgbtq issues in terms of sexuality but like the general just repressive forms of like gender roles that they expect people to conform to like the trad life stuff of you know a new you know everyone should only be having sex in the boundaries of a nuclear marriage for the purposes of procreation which is a, what a lot of these people still believe. And, you know, as part of their general worldview and general uh, bucket of, you know, uh, ideology, that inherently precludes the belief that, like, you know, women are designed as a vessel for, you know, carrying male seed and delivering new babies unto the world, you know. So I think when it comes to Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Matt Gates people, like Matt Gates clearly has regressive views about sexuality, you know, clearly has views, you know, about like women's role in the world. But there is still this like resistance to fully co-sign that, you know, on like the podcast, I suppose, because just that's just something that is less and less, I think, acceptable over like large swaths of the Republican Party anymore. Because, you know, I think even in their party, they're trying to like start this, you know, I won't say push, but start this like new i think you'd say this new shallow marketing exercise that they're actually the party of like protecting women and lifting them up because they're like against trans women in sports and you know that in necessarily including that oh yeah but women's roles are actually in the in the bedroom or not or like women are weaker and etc like that's just not necessarily something that they're going to want to fully co-sign for a younger audience of viewers yeah, that's it. I mean, that's an interesting like way to put it because, you know, you have um, you have the you have the transport. Uh, I mean, it's it, like I, I hesitate to even call it an issue because really, what it is, it's just an excuse uh, for these 
right wing agitators to to attack trans people. Uh, but the way that they are using it, like you're right, like a lot of them are using it like we are doing this to protect young girls and to protect uh, uh, quote unquote women uh, who, you know, are who, who need that kind of support so that they can excel. And like and like it has like a certain like ring of this kind of uh, kind of proto feminism sort of like background to it, it kind of in the same way that um and this is I'm not gonna like get into a total digression here, but you know, one thing I, I was talking with a friend of mine from uh from Britain about, you know, like the, the turf island stuff that goes on over there. And they were saying that, you know, like the, one of the reasons that that the UK has this issue is because their feminism they, they have a right wing and a left wing feminism. Like feminism is not just like a left wing thing or or seen as a left-wing liberal thing like it is here like it is like there is like a right and a left to it um so it, it is it does seem like parts of the republican party are kind of trying to do that um but this dominionist like uh christo fascist like however you want to put it uh attitude that marjorie taylor green has is very like in keeping with a more even you know bush era or even like clinton era uh even back to like Reagan, like the, like the evangelical Republican movement who, you know, are really going all in on kind of bringing the country, uh, quote unquote, back to like this, like, you know, uh, perception of how social conservatism should be. And like, you know, like, like, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, th things used to be this way and, and, you know, like that's what we're trying to get back to. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is like one of these people, even though, um, you know, if you know anything about her personal life, uh, she does not live up to those values at all. Like, you know, she um, she just doesn't. So, uh, you know, it is interesting to kind of, like, juxtapose those. But, like, yeah, Gates definitely represents, you know, this kind of new wave of conservatism, um, you know, along with, like, Tucker Carlson, Glenn Greenwald, Peter Thiel, like, all of these guys, they're trying to do something a little bit different uh, with with this kind of traditional right wing ideology, and even though they had the exact like almost the exact same goals, um, at, you know, in 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 broad strokes as the uh, evangelicals, uh, you know, the, like they're not quite in, in the same category in some ways. Um, but, but like you know, the the big kind of overarching issues are the same. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I would agree, and I think you know. Some of the things that you're describing, especially when it comes to like this divide. Oh, sorry, I'll yell even louder. Uh, especially when it comes. No, you're to good. You're this, good. Like, okay. Especially when it comes to this divide um, between like various forms of feminism and something that we see in America too. You know, to be a bit reductive, a lot of the arguments we see between like leftists and the sort of you know going a little bit far back. You know that uh, Clinton. 2016 era of like centrist feminism is that divide that has existed since you know people first started critiquing a second wave feminist ideology of you know the 90s and 80s and like talking about how it is not necessarily exclusive of you know people of color of lgbtq uh people etc but you know by nature of how heavily the the uh movement was dominated by uh cisgendered white women of the time in academia that you know that just translated to a hyper focus on that group 
And, you know, I think a lot of people still see themselves like fighting that battle, fighting the battle of the, you know, just the gender wage gap. We're just trying to close that gender wage gap or we haven't closed that gender wage gap yet. So how can we be moving on to talking about trans issues? And, you know, the Hillary Clinton, not just Hillary Clinton, but, you know, I think that within the Hillary Clinton president's uh, presidential campaign and or I guess presidential campaigns and losses, there is just, there was, at least in America, this feeling that the, you know, the dreams of the upper middle class white woman has have been deferred in pursuit of like the dreams of all of these like other groups that are being, you know, uh, foregrounded before them, you know, the Obamas and et cetera. Uh, so I think, you know, like it creates a necessary amount of competition between an upper middle class white woman feminism and a feminism for the rest of us uh, that is, you know, one side is going to get more play in the media, uh, but, you know, in a society that is inherently competitive and, you know, is inherently pushing the ideology on all of us that we're competing for, like, uh, you know, scarce resources and a zero-sum game, you know, people can see, like, their liberation as, like, a contest against other groups' liberation. Um, that's not necessarily the case of, like, a Marjorie Taylor Greene, which just seems like, like you said, an old-fashioned, like, Sarah Palin-esque, uh, you know, conservative, you know, moose-hunting mom type. But I think, you know, the Charlie Kirks of the world, the Ben Shapiros are trying to tap into that, like, younger turf generation of, like, people who, you know, feel like they are socially liberal, except for a few issues. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, I think that's a really good way to put it. And I, I would even like add to that and say that there is certainly like something of that energy to parts of the GOP, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like Lauren Boebert, like these new, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, female politicians who are uh, coming up. And you know, like obviously they come in for ridicule quite often because you know a lot of their beliefs are pretty out there. Um, a lot of the things that they say are pretty out there, but you know, in reality, um, they like, like there are aspects to the way that they present themselves and the way that they carry themselves, uh, in the political, you know, in, in the, in the political, uh, arena that, that does kind of tie back to, um, you know, the, the Clinton campaign and, and, you know, the, like the feminism, uh, certain aspects of U S feminism, even, even earlier. And that is not like to say that, like, that's not like a, a, a bad reflection on that stuff. It's just a, a way of saying that like those, those things do reflect on each other. It's just, it, that is the way that this stuff kind of works. Um, you know, you, you like not, not every, uh, ramification, of of what you do politically is going to be something positive something that you're you know you're going to like and so this is like you know an, an 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 example of that you know the flip side of it is is the sense of you know uh masculinity i think in the republican party and in the conservative movement and i i see uh i see you d the your caller just give us like you know maybe like 10 more minutes and then we'll we'll definitely take you just hang out there in the queue um and I think that there is like this interesting kind of uh, masculinity, uh, you know, kind of issue here uh, on the right. And and you you know you talk you talk about this, um, uh, you know, in your thread where you where you're just joking about uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and 
and uh, Matt Gates, but you know, it, it is it is interesting that you know that these you know th- these guys are not presenting themselves as like hyper masculine ideals of um, uh, you know the like the American man, and then in, and and as you say, like sometimes when they do, like Madison Cawthorn, uh, it's just a complete failure, uh, and and you know for a lot of there are a lot of reasons why this stuff is is funny and amusing and 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 laughable um but it does kind of speak to this kind of like inherent insecurity that i think has been kind of behind this american uh masculinity conservative masculinity for a long time and i was wondering if you could just talk about that a little bit because i know that you like you kind of get into it a little bit but uh but i thought we could we could dig a little deeper well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a pretty good encapsulation of what I've said in the past. And I mean, I've talked about this video before, or at least I've talked about this video once already this week. So, you know, I think I've said it before, but a lot of people take the trans uh, trans women in sports, trans men in sports uh, thing, or rather they allow Republicans to take it out of the context of what the Republicans have been trying to do, you know, at least in this country since the 60s and 70s when it came to like segregation and Jim Crow I guess they they would say some of that was Democrats obviously (laughs) but uh you know what conservatives in this country have been trying to do and the reality is is that like if you allow them even the positive ability to like oh we're just we just care about you know uh the integrity of women's sports something that they don't even want to fund half the time because they're always complaining about title nine and other shit like that you know it allows us all to forget that oh yeah but they're also against affirmative action oh yeah but they're also against women in the workplace generally oh yeah but they're also against uh anything that might be used in their eyes to correct historical uh, historical imbalances and uh you know representation and institutions they're just inherently insecure about their precarious position like in their minds you know and this is what unites all conservatives in america at least like this complex victimology they're concerned about their position on top being subject to what they would consider the you know the grasping hands of the unwashed masses the tyranny of the majority you know etc etc and so you know you get a lot of these sort of like really thin excuses from uh, the Matt Gates types, the you know the the uh, the conservative commentators, the every so often you get one of those like open letters from a mom of a teen in like Texas who feels like too many like people of color have been accepted to a, a university in her spot, and like you know the spot of her kid with like decent grades was taken by them. You know you just when you put it all in context, you get a real uh, clear picture that conservatism in this America is in fear of any real competition where the field is even like theoretically level or you know at the very least afraid that through the actions of affirmative action through the actions of like transgender people in sports there will be somehow you know a full awakening to the fact that most of our meritocracies like that we describe are just like bullshit you know they're just bullshit that is are meant to you know enhance the ego or flatter the ego of traditionally uh traditionally privileged groups uh that they are in fact doing the best because they are trying the hardest or because they are the smartest or any other sort of like you know active quality on their part and not just you know passively how they were born and so you know they fear that this kind of discourse about like women in sports will lead to people to wonder you know whether or not matt gates is the you know picture of masculinity that he pretends like he is because the the flip side of that is that you know 
if we started doing sports in a way that was less based on gender and more based on like conditioning and you know muscle mass and like just body composition etc or like i guess just performance that the men the conservative men at home who currently watch something like the ufc and get to aspire to be i guess uh conor mcgregor or any other ufc fighter like they you know they're but the grace of god like i you know i guess i I would argue every man who is really into sports thinks in their head that, you know, but for a one or two steps, I would be in the, you know, the Super Bowl right now. You know, if you put even one woman in that game, if you put even one woman in an octagon versus a man, it just really kind of like blows up the aspirational like quality of sports for some people. And so, you know, I think there is this grasping going on at both a way to, you know, continue the illusion of the meritocracy that is the traditional uh the idea of traditional masculinity in the minds of republicans and you know also continue to uh continue to try to indoctrinate new people into like their backwards worldview by grasping at things you know things that they think young people might care about in this instance like well maybe we can get to people by pretending that we're not anti-lgbtq generally but just that we want to maintain, we want to ensure that women's sports has the integrity that we've always wanted it to have. Like, okay, come on. Right. It's just not believable. It's just like, it's just not like a believable thing. Um, when you put it up to, to the record, I mean, I just kind of going off what you're talking about, uh, American conservatism. Um, and you know, this is like based on a lot of my work, but I, I kind of trace it back to, the modern American conservative movement is basically all about anger over integration. And it kind of speaks to like that sense of, you know, like losing uh, one's place in society, losing like this ideal where, you know, you're at the top and, and, you know, they're like, there's a certain like uh, unofficial caste system uh, below you. And then when that gets taken away, uh, there's a lot of anger and of course, they, you know, they, they've, they've kind of like flipped this into, uh, you know, uh, being about like uh, marriage and the family and, and abortion. And like, you know, but, but really like it's if once you dig all the way in, you go all the way back. Like it just does come back to the civil rights movement in the 60s. Like that is what it's about uh, is, as, as, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like you could go back further, but the, like the very specific conservative movement uh, that we are dealing with today is the same conservative movement that, you know, was ascendant in the fifties and in the sixties when you had, uh, you know, uh, people battling against integration, people battling against the civil rights movement, uh, Nixon's so-called, uh, silent majority. Uh, you know, there's a great book on this, uh, by Matthew Lasseter called silent majority. And in it, uh, you know, there are like a lot of anecdotes, but you can see pictures of, you know, these families, uh, these all of these parents going into schools and like going to school board meetings to like fight against integration. Um, and it's it just like looks like the same thing that we see now, although without like the digital stuff, but um, that, that, that we see now around like CRT and uh, around, uh, um, you know, uh, 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 trans rights and sports and stuff like it's just it's like the same shit. Uh, but just kind of, it, it just gets a new spin. It gets like a new like spit and polish every every few years. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like like what's your read on that? You think that's accurate? You think that uh, 
you think that you can trace it back to that or because because i know that this is this is obviously something that you've studied quite a bit too so uh i'd be interested to hear you know like like your perception on that i mean yeah i guess you can trace it back to yeah, you can trace it back as far as you want to go if there's you know it's one of those things that when you're talking about the conservative sort of even just vaguely crypto fascist streak in america you can take it all the way back to the pilgrims if you really want to i think that really your second point that like for some reason every 10 or so years although i think with the internet being such a fast-paced thing now we see it happen a lot more often republicans are allowed to like rebrand all of their terrible old ideas as though they're now young and hip you know they're allowed to go like, okay, no, we're not conservatives anymore. Now we're the intellectual dark web. And we're just a series of completely uh, independent thinkers who don't really share a lot of overlap in ideology, except for the fact that we all believe it's important to have free speech conversations and that, you know, being gay is a little weird, you know, like stuff like that. Like it's, they're allowed to rebrand because we just have a, I don't know, an affection in our media for the uh the conservative movement that is just you know obviously a result of the fact that we can see who really controls our like you know like we can see who really can like what like the underlying ideology of our media is because it's controlled by like corporations and billionaires and like they have inherently conservative views when it comes to things like fi you know finances and social uh social movements and so every so often they just get taken in by the idea that oh wow there's a there's a new shite bright there's a new shiny bright type of like nazi out there we better give them a profile and so i mean i think that more and more as we have access to the internet people are better able to put like these like put like something like you know the anti-trans bills that we have now sweeping the country with you know the uh, anti-crt bills that sweep the country they're much better able to put it in you know its proper genealogy with the terrible ideas that the republicans have had before it's mostly just i think a function of the biases that exist within our corporate media that we get inundated every few weeks with the idea that like well we're just not hearing enough from conservatives Right, right, right. Which is like you know uh, a, a favorite punching bag of of left media critics for a very good reason uh, because it it's a serious problem. Um, so I just want to just want to talk about one more thing, and then we'll take Dee's call and anybody else who wants to call. If you want to jump into the queue, please uh, feel free. Um, and and that, but what I wanted to also talk to you about uh, is uh, just before we talk to these guys um, that. We, you know, we've talked about on the show about how the fitness industry has a lot of ties to uh, the kind of conspiracist right, the like the new age right, as it were. Um, and you know, you've been in the the lifting world uh, for quite a while. Um, is that a thing that it has also kind of you know uh, kind of filtered over uh, to? to the lifting world as well. Um, and, and is there really that much of a distinction between, uh, you know, the kind of fitness and wellness industry and, and, and the lifting world? Well, I mean, I think that the lifting world is, you know, it runs on folk science. It runs on like fringe science and pseudoscience and bro science, whatever you want to call it. A lot of the fitness information that people get 
come as a result of, I guess nowadays comes as a result of them like scrolling through forums, looking for workout plans or looking for how to build workout plans or how to like build nutrition plans. Because a lot of that information is just mystified to people. So, you know, I think that within our country, we don't have great, maybe this is a overgeneralization, but, you know, we don't have great uh, health education. I think a lot of times people focus on our lack of like sex ed as though it's the only issue with our health education. But I don't think that we have a particularly good like nutritional education, like sort of a curriculum in this country, either for kids in high school or uh, middle school or elementary school. So, you know, a lot of times when I field questions from people about like weightlifting or about working out, they're questions about nutrition or like, how do I know how much protein to have? How, how do I know, uh, you know, how much carbs to have? And usually they come to me having some level of knowledge in their head that they picked up from like a forum somewhere or like an article in muscle and fitness by just some like guy that's like, oh, yeah, one pound per uh, pound of body mass, like you, you calculate your calories this way, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that just that that is kind of a microcosm for how people generally fall into believing fringe science stuff, uh, broadly speaking, because like, yeah, like it's this lack of a good foundational education in nutrition and fitness that allows for like you know, the more out there ideas about what it takes to get in shape to come, you know, become like prevalent, you know, the more like uh, baseless ideas about like nutrition or uh, uh, like more dangerous types of like lists that are not like, you know, every so often you'll go to a gym and you'll see some guy doing something super weird and you'll be like, holy shit, where did you learn that? And, you know, usually it's like just from some random person's YouTube video or some like random like Instagram they follow. Um, and I think broadly speaking, we just have a lack of good education when it comes to stuff, you know, it comes to science in this country, when it comes to history, the CRT, the, rather the anti-CRT thing is a good example of just how they, they, you know, our school boards, quote unquote, concerned parents go out of their way to mystify the history of the United States of America. And so a lot of times, the first time people are hearing about something, you know, really specific about health or fitness or really specific about the history of this country other than like the broad narratives that they hear in school uh like you know the food pyramid or that like martin luther king jr freed the slaves something like that is like on a forum post by some guy who has put a lot of time into like you know thinking about this either for the right or wrong reasons and for people who don't have a good basis of understanding of it to begin with, you know, a long forum post by a registered dietitian might be completely indistinguishable from a long forum post by just some guy who likes to lift. And, you know, they're just incapable of parsing through the quality of that information based on, you know, with what they have in their head and just like the, their senses, which becomes kind of like the foundation for our idea of like the rational consumer model of not just consumer products, but just like information that there's just some somehow people have the ability to like, even if they're not experts in the topic to discern the quality of information they're reading about like health, or about like medicine or about like education in some senses when it comes to like charter school stuff. And, you know, that would be well and good if we actually went out of our way to and, you know, basically teach people how to do that. But we don't. In fact, we go out of our way to not teach people how to do that. And then we wonder how like, uh, fitness and or like other types of conspiracy theories uh, form. The overlap between the fitness industry and like the health conspiracy industry tends to just be for the same reasons that you would imagine. Like there is just, uh, you know, 
there is a obvious overlap between like fitness and like sort of pseudo spirituality, like, you know, yoga, meditation, people who are drawn to stuff like that, like crystal healing, like homeopathy, you know, there is just like an adjacent world of people who are interested in health and wellness that attracts people who are interested in all sorts of like out there ideas about health and wellness. Uh, a lot of that stuff you'll see in the form of like weird diets, like the Joe, uh, the Jordan Peterson, like all meat diet that was popular for a while. Like people do keto, which is not the same thing, obviously, as the all meat diet. Uh, you know, you get a lot of stuff like, uh, oh my gosh, like, uh, oh, I've heard like really insane stuff about like, how like you're not actually supposed to drink water that water is bad for you um because you should be getting all of your liquids from eating raw red meat um so is not it, isn't that with jordan peterson's daughter well no i think he was cooking the meat so you know in, in many ways like that's what like makes it not okay to do so people who believe like people who live like the raw meat life would say like that's why he got sick because you're supposed to eat it raw and get all of your like liquids from the blood, like a real man, obviously. Uh, just uh, like just to be clear, uh, we are not doctors, nor are we endorsing any of this. You should no, no. I, you should definitely not do that. Do not do that. I'm not a doctor, but you for sure cannot only <laughs> eat like raw red meat as your primary uh, form of nutrition. Even keto, you have to like keto. A ketogenic diet is a very, very low carb diet that is meant to put your body into a sort of like a state in which it burns burns free fatty acids more easily and therefore it's supposed to be like more muscle sparing when you cut and therefore uh and also like you get to eat a lot of bacon on it um but even a, a diet that's very very high in fats and proteins will also like demand that you eat like a whole pound of spinach a day just so you can get your fiber in and so you know you, you don't die of like a collapsed colon but i mean that's just generally the the point right so like like for people who don't really know enough about nutrition, those two diets might seem exactly the same. You know, a diet where you only eat meat and then a diet where you have a very specific macronutrient ratio of like fats and proteins and carbs that you're trying to hit. I think in the case of keto, it's like 50% fat or 50 to 60% fat, 25 to 35% uh, protein, and then like 10, like 15 to 5% carbs, but mostly from like fiber. And even on diets like that, I don't want to get too far, far into like fad dieting, but you can see how stuff like that, like the idea that a lot of what fitness is, is, you know, experimentation, figuring things out for yourself, experiential. And like that is in many ways, a lot of what appeals to people about conspiracies is that, you know, you can learn anything about the world just through your senses and experiences and the reading that you can do at home, you know, on your laptop, on forums. And like, you can go from not being able to lift anything to being able to lift 550 pounds doing that and you can go from like not knowing anything about virology to being damn near an epidemiology from doing that are supposed to be the same thing in people's heads because like you know we just don't re we also and this goes to the like more back to like the matt gates and the sort of conservative pundit world out there like we just don't have a lot of appreciation for like expertise in general and like of devaluing of our education system and what it means to be like an expert in non-science things and even just like when science things now that medicine is up for debate too is just inher just inherently goes out the window once you just stop valuing education generally sorry i went on there for a while about like dying no 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 that's fine that's fine i, I mean that's all that's that's all like solid info i think and and uh, you know something that we we definitely uh talk about a lot on here um 
Uh, you know, with, with the last uh, little bit of time that we have here, we're gonna we're gonna take some calls. I'm gonna ask everybody to keep it to like sixty to ninety seconds. Um, but D has been waiting for about forty five minutes, so we'll go to D first. Hey, can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you. Yep. Hey, what's up? Yeah, first of all, I just want to, I don't know if it's Owen or Ian, I just want to say you have done a great job at kind of exposing kind of these fake leftists like Greenwald and Taibbi. So keep doing what you're doing. I think a common thread of these people is that all the ones who have turned bad were people that never, that always put class over race and never focused on identity. That's kind of a common thread. But my comment is, I think the left needs to like really start looking at kind of not the, just the religious rights version of masculinity, but sort of the uh, kind of centrist Rogan version of that, because that to me is the most dangerous. And I think it's a mistake if we just kind of assume that people have enlightened roles and things, because there are a lot of like liberals who still, for example, believe that, you know, men are supposed to be protectors of women. And so it's like a mistake if we just act like that's just a conservative belief. And I think sometimes that's something that we can be guilty of um, because there are a lot of even left-wing people that are just very um, traditional when it comes to, you know, like men should be the protectors and men should be the providers. And even if it's not explicitly said like that, there's still people who believe in, in that stuff. And so, you know, we can critique gym culture, but we need to uh, be able to appeal to people who are in the middle. And and I even think uh, with the COVID thing, it was a really bad optics when the left wouldn't say like, actually, like we can be a healthier nation and working out is an important thing and that will actually reduce your chances of getting COVID. So there, there are things like that where I think we, we have an opportunity to really appeal to people without giving into what the right wants. Sure. Sure. So thanks. So uh, thanks D and um, uh, uh, Brandon, I'll kick it over to you in a second here, but um, you know, I, I, I would just say that I think that, well, first of all, I wouldn't call Rogan centrist, um, but I think that kind of more broadly, um, as far as like what the science is, as you know, like uh, working out and health and how that you know helps you to handle uh, uh, COVID or any number of of other illnesses, um, that is, or you know, maladies or whatever, um, that's not uh, like that's not the criticism that I have at least for for the health and and wellness industry. I think that mine is more, and this goes to what Brandon was saying about how um, these, like, like uh, the the fitness and and wellness industries can act as kind of like an entry point into kind of more uh, kind of off the wall conspiracies, and they can, but they come out of you know people listening to uh, so called experts who who have, um, you know, these, like these views on how to work out and how to eat and how to be, how to be, you know, a, 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 a person. Um, and, and in that, you know, we have like these views on masculinity and, and, you know, I think, you know, Evelyn said in, in the comments that, you know, maybe using traditional, uh, puts like a positive spin on it. Um, I think that, I, you know, I, I would argue that, 
as far as like what we're talking about here, um, when we're talking about traditional, we're not, you know, we're not giving it like a positive or a negative spin. We're just saying that, you know, this is, this is like how it is understood. Um, so like, it, you know, these ideas of, of traditional masculinity or, or not are kind of, you know, ultimately like less important, uh, than, the industry itself and, and, and people like learning about it being used as an entry point uh, for these conspiracy theories, for these kind of more right wing uh, voices and people. And I think that you know, one last thing that I'll say just before I turn it over to Brandon here is, is that, uh, you know, Brandon was talking about the IDW and, and these guys do the same thing. They just don't do it through like, you know, the fitness industry or the wellness industry, but they do do the same thing of kind of, you know, getting people to come in and it sounds like, you know, the people that you're listening to are experts. And then, you know, like the next step is, of course, then they're like telling you things that, that, that just don't make sense. And Brandon, I'll, I'll kick it over to you there. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. I, I mean, I agree with what you were saying there at the end as well. Um, just to the call, I guess, first point about Joe Rogan in contrast to the Christian masculinity, right? I think that is an important point to highlight, if only because I... You know, when you from the little bit of Joe Rogan that I've seen, I think that when he views himself, and I think this is probably true of a lot of, you know, the more frat bro aspirational masculinity types that listen to his podcast, you know, maybe not entirely for the the political talk, but for the MMA type stuff, you know, they view themselves. And I guess I would also loop in uh, since he had him on Bill Maher into this like loose loose grouping as well, like they view themselves in contrast to like this Christian right that is also conservative and also a big part of the conservative movement in America as some kind of proof that their views on sexuality are not quite like that. And, you know, that also goes back to the Matt Gates versus Mar Marjorie Taylor Greene dynamic, although I'm probably projecting on the Matt Gates, but, you know, you can imagine a world where like you're talking about how the Christian right is so like crazy and they are anti they're you know they're homophobic and they want gay people to burn in hell and you know all of like the westboro baptist church stuff but you know you're the joe rogan type you're the bill maher type you don't want gay people to burn in hell you just think it's icky when two men are kissing and so like you think that like that belief that oh i just think it's icky it's not normal it makes me feel uncomfortable when two men kiss it would make me feel uncomfortable if ronda rousey choked out uh conor mcgregor i don't know i don't really watch ufc stuff like that where like you know there is just uh instinctual misogyny within our culture and instinctual homophobia within our culture that you know i think people are People are afraid and people like uh, the Christian right, people like Joe Rogan apparently are afraid that like, you know, the just the influx and the demographic shifts that are occurring on the lines of LGBTQ people feeling more comfortable coming out, being better, being better integrated into, if not our society in terms of like socioeconomics, being better integrated into our society in terms of like the representation in media, that it's going to change it, you know, in the future. You know, they call it grooming, but what they're really afraid of, you know, whether it's the Christian right being afraid that, like, their kid is going to be gay and burn in hell, or if it's Joe Rogan being, like, instinctually concerned that, like, in the 10 years from now, like, people won't think it's icky that, like, when two men are kissing, it's just this, this fear that, like, in the future, like, it'll just be normal, that it'll be normal, not, like, not everyone's going to be gay, not everyone's going to be bisexual or trans, but, like, you know, the baseline impulse of most Americans, whether you're talking about like 
a college student in the Midwest or, you know, a liberal nonprofit employee in New York City is going to be like, oh, yeah, I have, I have a gay friend, you know, like Chad, Chad's cool. You know, like if you say something bad about Chad, I'm going to whip your ass, you know, stuff like that. You know, this idea that like with integration comes normalization, comes like even the most vaguest forms of like fondness for the people that were traditionally thought to be like evil and then just growth. And, you know, I, I have this pet theory that a lot of people, especially celebrities, uh, and Joe Rogan would be one of these people, Dave Chappelle too, like their growth intellectually gets stunted at whatever time they just become most famous. And so we just have a lot of celebrities that became most famous in like the early 2000s, like media landscape, where like the funniest thing you could do was like make a movie like White Chicks or make a movie like uh, The Hot Chick with uh, fucking um, uh, Rob Schneider. Like it feels like, you know, in that time, every other week, a new Rob Schneider movie was coming out where he was just like playing a different ethnicity or gender. It was like, you know, this week, Rob Schneider is the Mexican. And right, so like right. there's like a desire to go back to that kind of time, like, you know, at that time frame. But like that's all it is. You know, it's like it's an instinctual fear that like the things that you think are gross and are icky or are evil will no longer be thought to be viewed by, by society. But you know, I you know, I think that like that's something that we can't necessarily pretend like is not bigotry, that instinctual feeling that like it's gross to be or it's like you know, weird or you know, somehow like uh, immoral to be gay. That just is more of like a high school boy, a high school boy level of bigotry versus the, you know, what they would describe as just like the real homophobia, which is that like Republicans don't want gay people to get married or stuff like that. And when we're trying to combat it on like all fronts, not just like uh, the highest level. I will say to the other point about working out and illness, like generally being in, you know, being active in various ways. And I think it's important to, you know, emphasize that there are various ways to be active and there are various paths towards, you know, you know, being, being an active, healthy person. And there are various definitions of what that can look like um, is important to highlight. But also it's important to highlight when like Republicans say that like being healthier and working out will make you like, in better shape. They don't want anyone to have that time. Like, they don't want anyone to have the time to work out. They want people to be working, especially, like, millennials and other and people of color and any other traditionally marginalized group that would be – that would benefit more from, like, the free time to, like, invest in their health, not just in terms of working out, but, like, you know, various forms of self – of, like, of um, self-development, education, et cetera. They want the people to be working, like, from sunup to sundown. So, like, this idea that, like, oh, yeah, like, if our society was not so – out of shape or whatever then we wouldn't have all died you know from the republicans is another example of like them just being allowed to say shit like that and people forgetting that like yeah but when michelle obama tried to make kids eat an apple they threw a fit for 18 years and so like obviously they don't want people to be healthy they just want to have another excuse to, for why like it's people's own personal decisions that led for them led to them to die uh, of COVID-19 and not like the inactivity of the government. But even if we agree right, that like, right. you know, running 20 minutes a day would make less people die from COVID, they don't want to give you those 20 minutes a day to run. <laughs> so it's just like, it's a kind of an irrelevant proposition. Yeah. It's, 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 it's more convenient to make it an individual failing rather than like a, a, a problem of uh, like a systemic issue. Um, we take the next caller here. Uh, I believe this is Patrick, uh, but you can correct me if I am pronouncing your name wrong. Uh, go ahead. 
Hey, yeah, it's Patrick. Oh, sorry, I had to turn on the audio here. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, I, I kind of want to echo a little bit of Brandon what you just said, but then um, in, in, a, in a weird Keir Starmer type way, invited to take it further. Um, so I, I wrestled in college and uh, actually had a gym when I first got out of college. And one thing I'm seeing a lot in the fitness space is that we're, we're there's a growing amount of like comms around like left wing voices, but we don't have spaces. So, uh, you know, with, with Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, a lot of her rhetoric and a lot of the masculinity stuff really came out of that CrossFit space uh, of, the, of the 2000s, which, um, I mean, like directly almost you can draw a direct line from the rise of CrossFit to like this rise of like, like fitness fascism. And it brought in the other aspects of it, um, even to the point of up here uh, north of Philly, you know, one of our CrossFit gyms sent the bus down to the January 6th riot. Um, so, um, you know, one of the things I, I, I'd love to try to hear, and I love the dialogue going on here, but one thing I'd love to try to hear more about is, like, how do we actually create, you know, spaces for people to go to? Because we can talk about finding better resources all we want, but, um, but if I don't have a gym to go to that's safe or has people there that I can actually work with or work around, you kind of get dragged back into it. Um, the other thing that, that's really interesting is we talk about refunding education, but even if we refund education, a lot of this information is proliferated in sports by coaches and by that typical masculinity. So there's like an importance of the left or progressives or liberals to actually get back into sports and, and get back into coaching as an action, like of almost like a direct action to start yeah, so that's that's definitely um a couple of interesting points there. Um I think I mean it is true that like I mean there that, like there, I mean there is like a lefty gym culture, I think. Um and but I think that like that is a that is a good point though that you know that that maybe there's not such a like unified one. I don't know, Brandon, why why, why don't you take this? Well, I mean, I think that just speaking generally, there are not a lot of great gyms in America. And by great, I mean like well-staffed, well, like, well, um, I'm looking for, uh, not well-populated, but like have, have a lot of nice stuff. It's very hard, even in New York City, to find a gym with like a decent Olympic lifting platform, a place to do like really heavy deadlift, because a lot of gyms now are just corporate gyms. Uh, in the sense that a lot of gyms are just like Planet Fitnesses, they're crunches, they're like gyms that have amenities that are like more geared towards like the casual gym goer, which is, you know, again, nothing wrong with that, but because I don't mean casual as in one or two times a week, I mean casual as in the kind of business model they have is geared towards like getting people to sign up during like times of like low sign up fees and then forget they signed up so that they continue to like charge your account until you remember like a year from now that you haven't gone to the gym in like a year and a half, but you've been paying every, you know, month and then it takes you another like three or four months to figure out how to cancel. Like that's it's like a level of guilt too, right? Yeah. You know, they shame you, like, but also, like, they're just hoping you forget, and they make the actual cancellation project process, like, super arcane, which is why most people just end up having, like, the bank, like, cancel, like, cancel it for them, like, just, like, stop letting them charge their card. Um, so, like, I think, generally speaking, we as a society do not provide a lot of places for people to work out, even, um, what you call it, you know, even just, like, generally speaking, I saw a video the other day of, like, 
cops in New York City, like, removing the fitness equipment that, like, people in the community had left in, like, Marcus Garvey Park in uh, New York City. And so, like, you know, we don't have a lot of public spaces, we don't have a lot of public facilities, like, YMCAs are on the, are, are expensive too now. Um, so, I think you, it turns out you have to start small in those senses, because, like, it's not just, like, leftists who are lacking the amenities, it's just the amenities are becoming less and less prolific. And, you know, it, that just comes down to, like, you know, making, you know, making groups, making groups online that go to the gym together sometimes. Like, you know, we, yeah, we don't have our own gym space, but we organize, like, five or six guys, five or six, uh, you know, guys and girls, five or six guys, girls, and non-binary people to go to the gym together to, you know, make sure that we're not, like, being harassed by gym bros, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I have seen a lot less gym bro harassment at the gym uh, specifically than I've seen, like, people who online say that they like, I mean, and by that I mean, like, guys online or, like, conservatives online who say they like going to the gym, harassing people online about, like, gym stuff generally, but, like, in the gym, there's, you know, I think more of an air of being uncomfortable that most people feel than, uh, you know, than, like, as much active like judgment going on there's of course because this is the society we live on live in active harassment going on a lot of like you know the sexual like a nature like cat calling but that's one of those things that going to the gym in a group can help prevent and help uh like insulate you from as well um so i would say you know getting you know making groups online to go to the gym together making running groups making biking groups to work out together uh you know like yoga groups some of that stuff is just uh about like organizing together to go to places and having sort of like uh you know a group outing i actually think it's important like you're saying and also like other people are saying to make the kind of community not even just like an insulated left community like you know a dsa only gym but even just having three or four like dsa guys or three or four of your communist friends who you go to the gym with and you can have like a group that is having a nice boisterous time talking about lifting and leftist ideas because at the end of the day that's what's going to make people at like you know gyms who don't know anything want to be involved in both like leftism and then also and leftism broadly speaking but you know also your group specifically we live in a very atomized culture unfortunately so a lot of people don't have a lot of friends and you know simply being the kind of person who goes to the gym with a group of friends who are having a good time you'll be surprised how like many people at the gym will gravitate over to you to like, ask you questions about like what you're doing like you know what you're talking about and that just becomes an opportunity to yeah you know, i hate to say it spread communist propaganda to the masses which i always do when i'm at the gym and so like you know, I think that there definitely needs to be more like leftist spaces, especially when it comes to like maybe not even just working out, but like I said before, educating people about how to work out, but just like, you know, leftist organizational groups that go, you know, make a gym group, go to like a gym, work out, and wearing your nice like hammer and sickle shirt. And that's just, that's just free uh, marketing, baby. Organize everywhere, right? Organize yeah, everywhere. Always be All right. Selling. Um, so we uh, just have a couple more minutes, but um, I, we have Ben's been uh, waiting uh, patiently. So, so let's take him, and then uh, and then after that we'll wrap, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll all go go about our Easter weekend here. All right, um, or or whatever weekend it is for you, uh, Ben. Go ahead. All right, thanks, and, and maybe I'll keep it short. Maybe this will give you an opportunity to do plugs because I just wanted to ask what you regard as reliable resources to get, you know, health and fitness information from, 
because I can see my dad just sort of get radicalized in front of me by following that, you know, YouTube algorithm rabbit hole of, you know, what to eat. And then it talks about like, it just to cut a few steps into like anti-vax and um, uh, like, you know, weird canola oil conspiracies. So just whatever uh, resources you think would give truthful and reliable information on a consistent basis. Thank you. Brandon, that one is all you. I mean, you hate to say it, but like some of the sources that people share, like generally speaking, like bodybuilding.com, like authorized threads or like, you know, or pin threads, like the pin threads on Reddit, uh, you know, muscle and fitness columns, at least stuff like that goes through like fact checking. You know, it goes through like the most most basic level of like either professional fact checkers at muscle and fitness looking it over or like it's been the dominant like thread on nutrition at bodybuilding.com for like 12 years. And it's by like a mod who's a registered dietitian, like, you know, stuff like that, that has obviously gone through the uh, the process of either peer review or professional review are things that I find myself gravitating towards because frankly a lot of the stuff is you know you hate to hear it but a lot of why people gravitate to like fringe fitness advice or just fringe advice generally is because like there is this desire to find a magic bullet when it comes to like weight loss when it comes to building muscle or when it you know in the political realm when it comes to solving like complex political problems or explaining you know complex political problems or the lack of motivation for our politicians to fix complex political problems so you know and so that goes like our you know so i look something like you know i'm not building muscle not because i'm not working out enough but because i'm not like injecting canola oil into my like biceps every day or you know and you know the like in in the political realm it's like you know biden is not solving problems not because like he's paid to not solve problems through various special interests and lobbying groups and like various other democratic consultancies etc cetera, etc cetera. it's because he's like a lizard person and like you know some of those ideas are sexier there's you know they appeal to the ego by being like secret knowledge that only you know about fitness when you know a lot of stuff i hate to occam's razor but a lot of stuff about fitness and wellness are things that people have heard before and have been you know have picked up via osmosis but they just seem like very very simple and so they can't be true like you know the ultimate truth is that like yeah a lot of like the sort of the overarching like rules you hear about fitness like oh have one pound of protein per pound of lean body mass uh are like just good rules of thumb to follow if you're going to be you know starting your fitness journey and as you get further and further and more and more advanced you'll just naturally follow you'll just naturally find more and more advanced fitness techniques that are you know have been actually uh workshopped and developed by professionals i think you know a lot of the stuff is like people who haven't even started the first step in the journey deciding that they're going to skip to the end and like work you know find out like what Arnold Schwarzenegger was doing to like eke out an extra 1% of efficiency right before Mr. Olympia in, like in 1986. And it's like, well, that's just, you know, that's either A, not relevant to where people are or B, just like total nonsense because like at that high level of like bodybuilding, it's not really, you know, it, it's just everyone's trying to eke out an extra 1% of body mass. So I would say it's just sometimes it's not necessarily the most glamorous thing, but it's good to start at the most basic resources, like go to like the Reddit uh, for fitness and look at the sticky that, that is pinned there. Go to like the bodybuilding.com forums, look at the sticky that's pinned there. Like, you know, uh, pick up 
God, he has like there are a few good. I mean, frankly, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was joking before, but he has a lot of great books on bodybuilding. A lot of you know stuff like that that is that are just like you know a lot of classic old training techniques that have been not forgotten, but have just been like pushed to the wayside because you know people are more focused on stuff like muscle confusion. I, you know, I've been doing the same workout routine or like a variation to the same workout routine with just increasing weight, increasing frequency, increasing like numbers of reps. Uh, for basically the same like six or seven years and I still see you know gains here and there but obviously they slow down as you you know reach a certain peak uh, so I think that a lot of people just not necessarily you hate to say it but need to stick to the fundamentals like just like in basketball you got to stick to the fundamentals so you know uh, I would say that and that means like good you know good places to start are just like you know finding out how to necessarily uh, finding out how to uh craft a plan and craft something that works for your specific body as opposed to looking for magic bullets that people like say that, you know, uh, taking fish oil pills will like fix your heart or stuff like that. So, you know, and so, and a lot of that stuff too, and you hate to say it cause like it's not easily accessible is even better. Uh, cause I'm not a fitness professional in the like professional sense anymore, just like a certified personal trainer. But, you know, a lot of stuff can be gleaned by talking to, like, actual fitness professionals if you have access to them, like, you know, making an appointment to see a nutritionist, making an appointment to, like, see a personal trainer and, like, being open with them about, like, your goals and your, you know, in your goals and your, like, uh, your experiences and, like, your uh, anxieties about that stuff. Uh, but, again, it's unfortunate that, like, there's just a lot of shit out there because, you know, in reality, without, like, working with someone's specifically it's hard to know what they should be looking for and what they shouldn't be looking for uh but just the combination of grifts and and i guess just insane people means that there's just a lot of dross to sift the like the sift through so you know that's why i oftentimes suggest just going to like the reddit sticky and, and reading the stuff about like starting strength and about like you know how to calculate your macronutrients because that's just going to be where 99 percent of people need to start most definitely. I like I like that we have gone from uh, talking about the roots of uh, conservative American masculinity and uh, and and how that kind of affects how they uh, they approach the world to to fitness advice. I think that's that's the sign of a of a good hour spent. Um, I agree. I think, you know, just to sum, not to sum up, but I wanted to add to that. I think it's just true that Republicans don't lift. But when you're talking about the basic guy mentality, I think that very key to like a very toxic masculinity that is, is present on the right and just present, I think, in American, like American sports viewers, American society is this idea that like every man is inherently stronger than every woman. And that, you know, not even just stronger, but like more skilled at things that require like physical strength at all. And I always just think back to like this, uh, this a poll that they did about like where they polled men to ask them if they thought that they could beat Serena Williams in a tennis match. And like, I think like 70 plus percent of men who did not play tennis said that they could. And I'm like, that just shows. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't beat. It was, do you think you could score like one point? that even that is <laughs> you can't no you can't that's not going to happen there's just no there's no way there's no might, way. might as might as well be beat might like might she would just like serve it through she would just like serve it through your skull like it's just not possible but like you know this idea of men overestimating their physical strength in you know 
and by necessity that having to like require that requires a you know naturalized subordinate class of you know thinking you as like inherently physically weaker is just important to like the construction of that kind of masculinity i'm sure people are like trying to discuss and find new ways to like find like less toxic masculinity but like it's just clear that for a lot of people in our society it's uh you know as a nature of being filtered through neoliberalism it's a zero-sum game it's about like who can who am i inherently stronger than and who am i inherently weaker than and if you belong to a certain like you know class of like white male a certain class of white woman you know you can find yourself like going okay well i'm inherently stronger than you know inherently stronger than women and therefore and like i don't want that challenge where you know uh, it's just it's just more obviously more complicated than that for sure. All right. Um, so ran a little over time, but that's okay. Um, let's uh, let's do a little wrap here. Uh, Brandon, just before just before I do my my goodbye stuff, where can people find you? What are you working on? Uh, what should people know? Uh, where should they go? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter at Pretty Bad Lefty. Uh, you can find my podcast, The Discourse on um soundcloud spotify itunes all the podcast places uh patreon uh i'm also on the majority report on thursdays uh sorry for being so quiet and also having to yell i'm actually a, a very soft-spoken person so it was very difficult for me but i was able to get over my anxiety towards the end there so hope everyone had a good time thanks for you know joining us or me yeah yeah that was uh that was that was sadly uh partly partly a technical uh, glitch on 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 my end. Sorry about that. Um, Aha, also, as out. yeah, I know, I know. Um, as as Lauren pointed out in the chat, um, I I just did some Passover erasure. Was not trying to do that. So everybody enjoy your Passover, Easter, and Ramadan weekend. Um, this is Owen Higgins. This is the Flashpoint Podcast. If you are listening live or on replay uh, on the app. Please give us a subscribe and a follow so that you can continue to be updated uh, when we go live. Uh, if you are listening on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts, uh, please be sure to follow and rate us. Um, and if you are uh, listening on one of those two outlets, I would I would recommend that you you know get the app and join us here because then you can uh, participate in the conversation. Uh, and thanks to uh, Ben, Dee, and Patrick for doing that today really appreciated that guys um yeah so everybody have a great weekend and we'll see you later